0: but I'm not the only female that I know who has kind of come around. I have a couple of other female friends who dated either previous military members or people who have just had experience with firearms. People who I never would have imagined being open to it actually were open to it and turned out to be a better shot. Hey there.
1: Welcome back to another episode of Everyday Marksman. I am your host, Matt Robertson. Former military officer turned tech sector grunt, outdoors enthusiast, shooting enthusiast, all-round cool guy to hang out with. I hate talking myself up. Let's just get to the point of this one, all right? I had a wonderful December for the holidays. I hope you did as well. I took that time off to spend time with the family, plan out new content for the year, and where we're going to take the everyday marksman for 2020. I am super excited. I hope you are too. If you're new to the show, then welcome. This is the podcast where we talk about tactical skills for living a more adventurous life. Our website is EverydayMarksman.co, where you're going to find the blog, the podcast, our community forum, the challenges where every community member gets to compete and see how well they're doing with their personal skills. This month, we do have a new challenge. Of course, you can do challenges at any time, no matter the month. Think of it like Boy Scout badges. But this month, it's about doing 100 push-ups her day for 30 consecutive days. It's not about the pushups. It's about the discipline to make sure you get it done. If you get stronger and buffer and looking hot along the way, hey, that's bonus, man. If you're new to the show, also, I would welcome you to subscribe. Feel free to leave a review, though there's no pressure on that one. If you've been around for a while, though, I encourage you guys to check out our new support system, We have everydaymarksman.co forward slash support. That's going to take you to another website called Kofi, K-O-F-I, pronounced like coffee, where you can, figuratively, buy me a coffee. Your support really does help me produce the show, buy equipment to review, or just produce better video, audio, and all the things we got coming. I really want to make sure that we are supporting you the best way that I can and not just relying on people giving free stuff because that always comes to strings, right? On that note, I want to throw a listener shout-out to Dan, otherwise known as AKM on the forums, because he because he was our very first supporter. Now, when you support the channel, you also get access to a private chat channel where you can get previews of upcoming content, throw out your input on where you want to see the direction of the website go, as well as listen in real-time on interviews so you can see that uncut footage and see how just inarticulate I can be sometimes. All <laughs> right? Today's show notes can be found at everydaymarksman.co forward slash 14. That's everydaymarksman.co forward slash 14. And as always for these interviews, if you are pressed for time, feel free to jump to the last 10 minutes or so and you'll get my key takeaways from this discussion with our special guest. Now, enough of the intro stuff. Let's get on to the show. Now, my guest today is very special. She is not an expert in guns, in survival, or the outdoors. But she is a professionally trained musician, a multiple-time marathon runner, fitness enthusiast, fantastic cook, wonderful mother, and also my wife. So, Allison, welcome to the show.
0: Hey, Marksman Tribe.
1: So, the goal of this episode is to talk about how Allison went from knowing really nothing about firearms and shooting to being the wife of the marksman and how that has worked out for her over time. Sound good? I am ready. Okay. All right. So first question, just so we're all cleared on the same page before you met me, how much experience did you have with firearms?
0: Absolutely none. I never thought about firearms. If I saw a policeman, I never looked to see if he had anything holstered. I really had only my knowledge of firearms from Hollywood movies.
1: So, so you had nothing going on, um, like your family, no military in there, no police, no, no exposure,
0: no exposure.
1: Okay. So then tell me the story about how you first came across guns. Cause what I didn't tell you.
0: You did not tell me. I discovered it all on my own. The story is actually quite funny. You had a really big thing to do at work. We had recently gotten a dog. We adopted this sweet little girl named Hera, and she was having a rough go at it. She was scared, timid, in a new environment, so I voluntarily slept on the floor with her to keep her calm and happy so you could get a full night's sleep, and let's face it, the floor is not comfortable at all. So I was tossing and turning and I happened to roll over and look under your bed and saw this gigantic rifle staring at me in the face. At least I knew what it was.
1: You'd be like, oh, that's a weird looking toy.
0: That's a weird looking baseball bat.
1: (laughs) I know that thing's heavy enough. I probably could use it for that. Okay. So the context on this for you is that uh, that is my M1A in a big black custom stock chassis system. It's meant for like precision shooting, which I've never actually used it for in competition. but the thing weighs 15 pounds. It is a big evil looking rifle.
0: And it was under your bed.
1: And it was just under the bed. I'm pretty sure everybody's been there though. You start buying guns before you actually have a safe place to store them. I and mean, I don't know, it's probably not a good thing, but I'm pretty sure most people have been through that.
0: We I have don- a safe now guys all good.
1: I digress. Okay. So what, what went through your mind when you saw that
0: rifle? The first thing I thought was, oh boy, that's a gun under the bed. All right. Well, okay. I'm going to have a, have a conversation with Matt about this. And my first thought was this was in his life before me. There's a possibility it'll be in his life after me. So I got to learn to be safe around it. And I believe I approached you with that mindset of wanting to learn to be safe around your existing firearms.
1: I can't remember if you asked me at that time, like, did I already own other ones or was that the only one? Or did I just out and tell you?
0: To be honest, I don't remember. I think the conversation started where I pointed out I happened to notice and wanted to be safe around them. Okay. Or that one in particular anyway.
1: Well, I mean, so that's actually a positive thing, right? Because I think a lot of people are afraid of the story that they're going to come across their significant others, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever. And they're afraid it's going to be like, it's me at the gun. And then they get that ultimatum, which you didn't do, which I, I'm pretty sure if you did do, we wouldn't be here right now.
0: I don't really believe in ultimatums. I think I came from a background of having no exposure and in a way I think that benefited me. It created almost this perfect learning environment because I didn't have any prejudices against firearms to begin with. So I was very open-minded and willing to learn.
1: So the questions then became, as you said, you wanted to learn how to be safe around it.
0: I did. At that point, if you had told me to check whether or not the safety was on or if it was loaded, I would not have known how to do that. I would not consider that safe if I couldn't properly identify whether or not it was ready to be fired or if it was loaded. And of course, you hear about stories of people accidentally triggering a gun and firing it. And whether that's true or not about it being a complete accident, I didn't want to turn into one of those statistics. I wanted to know what I was doing and be smart about it. No,
1: it's funny what something you just said there reminds me of it, it it shows that you have come a long way from that, which we'll get to. But you said when somebody causes it to go off as opposed to it just goes off. Which is a lot of times what we see in headlines when it's like, oh, the gun went off and this. It's like, no, it doesn't just go off by itself. I think that comes from experience. So I remember the things I taught you though was the main safety rules. Do you remember what they are still?
0: Oh, do I? All right. Rule number one, always make sure that you treat the weapon as if it was loaded. Rule number two, finger off the trigger. Rule number three, be aware of your target and do not point it at anything that you would not be willing to shoot. And rule number four, always know what is behind your target. And a bonus rule, always. And I mean, always check the chamber, even if you already checked it, check it again.
1: I'm golf clapping for you.
0: Thank you. Thank you.
1: So it, it's, it's funny. I, I like that you mentioned that last bonus rule because that's actually not normally one of the main four rules, but it's a habit I've gotten into because I think a lot of people get complacent and they'll leave something laying down. They, they go get distracted about the work and then they come back and, oh, look, yeah, let the pistol out of the safe or the rifle out of the safe. And I think it's just extra peace of mind to just check it. I mean, ideally, I think you'd leave it open to where you could always see right into the chamber.
0: Just to be clear how ingrained that rule is, as you guys know, Matt does his own photography. And sometimes I actually assist him in photography for his website. So if he has his rifle or a pistol out that he is photographing for an article and I come downstairs, I check the chamber. Even though I trust that he has already done it, I do it anyways.
1: Yep. And I'll hear it randomly. I'll I'll be outside taking a picture of something and I hear something go get racked on the inside. And I'm like, oh, Allison's checking, checking the chambers. So I'm I'm glad that one stuck around for you.
0: I think it's honestly a really good rule.
1: So that's just, that was the initial, like getting the safety stuff done. But how did the first range trip go? Because if I remember, it was not a great experience for you.
0: It was pretty bad, I'll be honest. It was not what I was expecting. I was hoping it would be a one-on-one experience where I would be less intimidated because I was actually really nervous. I was so worried I would be one of those people who forgot the safety rules and I kind of liked you at the time. I wanted to impress you. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. And I wanted to impress you. I didn't want to do anything dumb. So, I put a lot of pressure on myself actually to do a good job. And when we got there, I would say probably five or six of your coworkers happened to be at the range. And immediately it turned into a social event. And I don't know, my spidey senses started to tingle and I just didn't feel comfortable anymore. So, what really set it off poorly, a very enthusiastic friend wanted me to fire. A rifle that I was not comfortable with. I politely turned it down a couple of times and they proceeded to point it in my direction and wave it at me, hoping I would change my mind. And after that, I was done. I did not want any part of that day anymore.
1: Yeah. And then I didn't want mean, it. I feel bad about it because I think about hindsight and I still stuck around. Like, I was like, well, we're here. I'm shooting. I'm going to keep shooting. And you were kind of off uh, behind, hanging by the car, really upset.
0: I was really upset.
1: I feel bad about that. Still.
0: Water under the bridge.
1: A lot of water. A lot of bridges.
0: (laughs) Well, clearly I didn't dump you. We're still together. And I actually went to the range a second time after that.
1: You did. Tell Tell me about that time.
0: The second time, that time I actually fired a gun. It was your 1911. And I know what your listeners are thinking right now. Dude, you let your girlfriend fire a 1911 for her first pistol? What the heck?
1: Or or they think that's awesome.
0: Either way, I actually really liked it. I know it's a very large pistol and maybe a little bit heavy, if that's a correct term. But I kind of liked it. It felt very substantial in my hand. I sucked at shooting it. My accuracy was non-existent. I think I put one or two shots on the paper the entire time
1: yeah okay i remember this one so this was so you're right and that 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 pistol is a solid chunk of steel like stainless steel um it was my very first purchase i think ever actually and it's you know it's a 45 caliber so it's got some kick not not as much as people might expect it to but you didn't know what to expect
0: Right. That was my very first time firing a pistol.
1: And I remember, so you you ended up with a pretty bad flinch on that trip and you you, you were chewing out the concrete berm below the target. To be fair,
0: in the exact same place every time. Does that count for accuracy? I mean,
1: it's consistent, right? So <laughs> consistency counts. But yeah, so you, you had developed a flinch on that one. Um, but it's interesting to hear that you liked a full-sized pistol for how it felt in your hand and you still like that.
0: I do, which is why I really like your Beretta.
1: Mm. Mm -hmm. Excellent choice. How did you feel coming out of that experience? Better, worse, neutral?
0: It was a much better experience than the first time. It was just one-on-one. I didn't have that intimidation factor. Actually, I remember feeling almost like I wanted to go back and keep working on it. I have that work ethic. And I don't like being bad at something. Just being honest. I like to be good at things. I was really bad at pistol and it almost created like a fire in me where I wanted to do it again and get better at it.
1: And you did. So this is kind of short, this is kind of shortcutting the history here a little bit, but we'll come back to it. But I remember another, another time when we lived in California And we went to the range, a couple of my friends in the military and, and they were super proud of their brand new pistol. I think it was like an FNP 45. And I remember you picked it up and you, well, how you tell the story? What happened?
0: Well, I hit the bullseye twice. I was very proud of myself. I believe their response was, of course, Matt's wife hits the bullseye.
1: Of course. So going back to the story now. So that was your second trip where you got to shoot a pistol. And then, so I think at some point in that time frame, I was building out the very first AR-15, which I'll leave, you know, I, in the website, I, I referred to it as my recce rifle and I had finally finished it and we took it to the range for the first time. And I was like, Hey, do you want to shoot it?
0: I believe reluctantly I said, yes. Not that I was scared. I think I didn't know what to expect. It was the unknown. I thought it would probably have a little more kick to it. And I was kind of worried that it would leave a little bruise mark or pop me in the jaw or I would be one of those silly girls on YouTube. You see videos that can't handle it. I was a little bit concerned. I believe I thought of every excuse in the book to keep stalling so I wouldn't have to pull the trigger just because I had myself so worked up that it was going to be way worse than it was.
1: Yeah. It's one of the things I think I showed those videos to you mostly because I thought they were being mean, like the boy, the guys being mean, like, oh, I want to give this like 80 pound, five foot, nothing woman, a big shotgun and not show her how to actually hold it and use it. And then she falls on her butt. And everybody laughed about it. And I think that probably was the wrong way to introduce you to it. (laughs) Probably. So, but you did eventually pull the trigger.
0: I did pull the trigger. I believe on the first shot, I smiled. And I took another shot. And I turned to you. And I believe the direct quote was, I want one.
1: And that led to the second AR. So... You know, for you who's listening right now, when you get permission like that, you take it. So that built the second AR, which I dubbed the Wifel, even though we weren't married at the time. But on the website, I actually refer to it as the MCC, which means the minimum capable carbine. So that's a whole separate story of uh, everything I learned from doing the first rifle flowed into building that one for you.
0: I really liked it, it was a little bit lighter. I also really liked the red dot sight.
1: I I think even like so you you came to like really enjoy going to the range, that whole experience, and getting to shoot your rifle and and punch out the paper. But then you got introduced to longer range shooting.
0: I did. Those metal plates are so rewarding. Hearing that ping every time you hit it.
1: But I remember those one time you were out there, and you were just laying out prone, ringing still at three hundred yards. You showed up some other guys.
0: I did. And what was funny, one of them tried to convince me that he was experiencing some type of malfunction, actually approached me and asked if I had tools to help him fix his rifle. Sorry, not much I can do to help you fix your aim.
1: <laughs> that kind of sums up beginning of your experience, because from there, we've moved around. You've gotten to go to the range a bunch more. We've bought more firearms. gotten got more practice. So I want to kind of pivot to another set of questions now, which how do you feel about guns now? And you've got, you've gotten that exposure over time. How do you feel now?
0: Honestly, I feel a little bit bad. I feel like guns have a bad rap and it's a little bit unfair the way that they're portrayed. I actually have a lot of respect for firearms. I have a respect for it as a sport. It takes a lot of skill to be very accurate and very good. And overall, I would say I really enjoy it.
1: So what's the biggest thing you've learned about about from what you didn't, when you didn't know anything to what you see and or what you know now, like what's a big lesson you took away from that?
0: I think overall that it really is a skill and it takes time to get good at it. And I just wish that more people had a positive exposure to it the way that I did.
1: So what is it about the shooting that you like? Like you say you really respect that it's a skill, but what is it about that skill that you, you, you enjoy?
0: Coming from my background and putting in a lot of practice and work and seeing it pay off, I think that reflects well in the world of shooting, putting in time, doing drills and exercises and hitting targets and doing different mind games and adding things up and shooting for different colors and shapes and whatever you want to do on your target. I know we've done some pretty creative drills back in the day where it taxes you mentally and you still have to be able to aim. I just think there's something really rewarding about succeeding and getting better at something. I think a lot of people could experience that if they didn't judge it from the way it's portrayed in the media and they came to it with more of an open mindset.
1: I think that's really one of the biggest problems is if the only exposure anybody gets is a John Wick movie and then watching the nightly news, I think that's two very skewed and unrealistic depictions.
0: Okay, but who doesn't love John Wick? Communists. He loves dogs.
1: Communists doesn't. They don't like John Wick.
0: But dogs.
1: I don't love communists. I love, love revenge
0: dogs. movies. And he he went out on a rampage Because of his dog. I mean, what's not to love about that?
1: You're not wrong. I'm just saying there are people who don't like John Wick and those people are communists. So then when it comes to going down this path that you've you've journeyed down, I, I think you've had a lot of exposure to things. You've seen me go off to training schools and go to matches and you've gotten to go to the range and experience stuff. What advice do you have for others? You know, if... If someone who's listening right now wants to take their girlfriend or introduce their girlfriend to their wife to it, or they even want to approach the subject of, hey, I'd like to buy a gun. What do you think?
0: I would mention it in passing in a very casual way at first and kind of gauge the reaction. If it's more of a casual, that's nice. You might have a shot. If they immediately get defensive, oh, no, 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 no. That might take a little more work, but I'm not the only female that I know who has kind of come around. I have a couple of other female friends who dated either previous military members or people who have just had experience with firearms. People who I never would have imagined being open to it actually were open to it and turned out to be a better shot than their boyfriend. So I would put it out there gauge the response. Maybe if you feel the person is interested, you could suggest that they come along with you, not necessarily to participate right away unless they have a very strong positive response regarding that. But for me personally, I think it was a progression and it might not be that way for every single person. Maybe some people might jump on it real quick and be interested. But definitely test the waters, bring it up casually.
1: I think what worked for you also was that it was not rushed. It wasn't like a make a decision right now. Cause I think this whole process of getting you from, wow, there's a gun under the bed to you feel safe around it, to go to the range, to go enjoy an AR, it was a long process.
0: It was a long process, but it was worth it because now, I'm the girl that can watch a show like 24 or whatever the show is and go, that's a 1911. Or I'll say, okay, that was a lot more than 10 rounds. (laughs) Yeah. I did not see that mag eject. I did not see them reload. (laughs) What's going on?
1: To come back to that, that's why I like the John Wick movies.
0: Yeah, those are very accurate. And those YouTube videos of Keanu Reeves training is really cool. I actually kind of want to try that.
1: Well, so that gives me the next question here is, what's the next step for you? Like, what is, you You know, you now know the basics of safeties and some marksmanship fundamentals. But what's next? What do you, what else do you want to learn?
0: Zombie apocalypse.
1: How to cause one?
0: Oh gosh, no. I want to be the Banff zombie sniper that everybody wants on their apocalypse team.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: But for real, I would say doing some type of movement while shooting, being able to load and run around and still be somewhat accurate. I mean, basically what I described that Keanu Reeves does on those YouTube videos, that would be awesome. Something else that I'm really bad at that I think would help me with picking off zombies would be if I learned how to calculate ballistics. I know you've tried to teach me in the past and I look at you like you're speaking a foreign language.
1: Okay. Well, that could be our next lesson. So here's an idea. Tell me what you think about this. What if every once in a while, we had you come back on and talk about what you've been learning?
0: Specifically shooting?
1: Yeah. Shooting or uh, even the outdoorsy stuff that we practice at Everyday Marksman.
0: I grew up in a Girl Scout. I really love the outdoors, camping, you name it. So maybe we could do... Something related to that as a skill.
1: Okay, cool. So what do you think of the idea of coming back every once in a while and 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 talking here on the show and, and keeping everybody apprised of your progress?
0: I would love to come back and do more shows. What do y'all think, Marksman Tribe?
1: <laughs> She's a natural at this. Well, wifey, I want to say thanks for coming on to the show.
0: Thanks for having me. It was really fun.
1: And I look forward to having you back
0: again. I look forward to it. I hope you guys enjoyed it.
1: All right. Let's talk about some key takeaways from this interview with my wife, Allison. Number one is that she in fact had no background with firearms before we met didn't even notice that they were in police holsters only ever saw them in movies and video games like a lot of people out there. So there was no experience. And To be honest, I am kind of lucky because not a lot of guys have my experience where some significant other when they're dating comes across firearms and it goes as well as it did with us, where she decides that, well, this was here before me and it's going to be here long after. So it started with a conversation about how to be safe. So her own advice in this one was if you want to introduce a significant other who doesn't know about your interests, start with that conversation. Bring it up casually Maybe explain why you're interested in it. See if they are interested in maybe going out and learning more about it. But take it casual. If you push it, if you force it, if you do it before anybody's ready, you're gonna end up a lot like our first date at the range where it went terribly. Now that was not entirely my fault. And it had a lot to do with the fact that it became more of a social event with other people who were shooting and I knew, and that just got uncomfortable. So make sure it's a nice one-on-one kind of more, I don't want to say intimate experience, but make sure you provide that connection that you're being supportive. Now, a couple of things also I thought were really interesting about how Allison has evolved over time is how she has come to really respect the, the, how she has come to really appreciate the discipline and the skill that gets involved. I think too many people, when they think about guns and shooting, who don't know anything about it, they're thinking of movies and video games where it just looks easy, where you've got John Wick running around on screen doing flips and just headshotting everybody or kneecapping them, and it just looks easy. Now, you and I know that's not true, and that's all fantasy, but a lot of people don't know that. They assume that, well, yeah, you could just shoot them in the kneecap from 75 yards away while they're running at full speed. Not how it works. So the more time people spend learning about marksmanship and practicing and coming to enjoy it, the more respect They give it when they see people doing things really well. And I think that's where it really should come from. Think of it as a discipline. It's a skill that has to be learned and acquired over time. I'm kind of lucky here that Allison, again, being a professional musician, has put in that kind of time with her own skills. And I can tell you from experience, when... We lived in Montana and she was playing as a principal clarinetist in the symphony that she would practice for hours a day on the same pieces of music and the same scales. I could only wish to put in that much dedication to dry fire and range time every day. That would also get really expensive. Now, the other part of this that's a key takeaway for me is I just want you to think about turning this into a family experience. At the end of the day, family is extremely important. If you don't have an actual family, you're not married and you don't have children, that's fine. What about your friends? You know, Bring people into the fold who are going to be there with you and be supportive and want to participate. And if they don't want to participate, that's fine. Don't pressure them. Put out that welcoming hand. I do the same thing with people I work with. Several episodes ago, I took two coworkers of mine out to the range because they had just never been exposed to it. And that's fine. You want to expose people to it in a positive way and show them that there is real people who do this and there is discipline and it's not just like it is in the movies. Now, going forward in the future, I think you can expect to hear Allison come back to the show because we're going to keep working on her skills, not just in marksmanship and shooting. And she specifically called out when to learn how to do ballistics, but also doing bushcraft, which she she called bushcraft. Uh, that's kind of an inside joke in our family. I know I shouldn't have to explain jokes, but uh, shout out to a really great YouTube channel called Joe Robinette, who is a Canadian guy who goes out in the woods and he jokes jokingly calls it bushcraft because he's Canadian. So that that's where that came from. But she's come to really enjoy watching those videos and seeing how people can survive in the wilderness using just what they know how to do and not bringing truckloads of stuff with them to be comfortable. Okay, well, that's enough of today's episode. I hope you really enjoyed it. Once again, today's show notes are everydaymarksman.co forward slash 14. Now, if you're new to the show, I really would appreciate if you hit that subscribe button on your podcast player of choice. And if you're feeling really good about it, go ahead and leave me a review. I really do appreciate it. I read all of them and I will throw you a shout out on the show if I get a good one. All right. Now, if you've been listening for a while, Once again, you can support the show via everydaymarksmanco forward slash support and that'll help you really contribute directly and you can subscribe on a monthly basis for just a few bucks and you really do help me out and you get access to all the behind the scenes stuff that you're not normally going to get to see and really connect with other community members in a way you're not able to do right now. Okay, guys, I want to say thank you again. Have a wonderful day and I will see you next time.